Hello and welcome back. Welcome to my podcast, Dan the Butler, My Life in Private Service. So this is episode four, um, Luxury Villas for Home and Rental. So luxury villa rentals fall into two categories. Either the owners bought it purely as a revenue stream and exclusively rent it uh, all year round, or the owners look to cover their annual costs and rent their home for the amount of weeks it takes to break even. Now, people are always surprised with the latter, but even billionaires take out mortgages to buy second, third or fourth homes around the world. There are, of course, certain tax benefits you get by having a mortgage. Plus, if it's in a country you don't have residence in, a mortgage will get you into the system quicker. There is a real balancing act needed of separating home from rental and the work that goes into switching between the two. Not only physical things like locking wine cellars and changing dinner service plates, etc., but also helping the owner switch off when their home is rented. Normally, in a rental agreement, whether it's primarily a home or solely a rental, is that I will be included in the contract by the owners for around 20 hours a week. Now, this isn't including my butler duties, which the renters will pay for separately on top of that. But the owners will include me for a set amount of hours a week to be just a pair of eyes for them and to put their mind at rest that the property is being treated respectfully. Now, the rental market in areas like the south of France is quite intense. From Monaco to Saint-Tropez, there are limitless properties, with new ones becoming available every season, which can start bidding wars. The luxury villa rental market can be crazy, especially when you are dealing with high-profile clients, as their schedules could cancel their trip in a nanosecond. So prior to closing any booking calendars, all contracts must be signed and sealed so the owner of the villa doesn't lose any income. In areas like the south of France, you have your staple high-profile villas that are owned by sometimes A-listers like Elton John, who I think now only lets his friends use it as it's also his home. And, And then you have people like Brad Pitt, who has properties that are run like a Soho house, and is purely there as a business venture. I remember one occasion, actually, when I was working for a brand new villa in Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferrand near Monaco that was being renovated for the rental market, but just for the summer months, and it was going to be a home for the owner during the winter. This villa was a great size and with great outdoor space and perfect views. On my first day, I remember my entire morning was touring staff that were working for Madonna, a big Hollywood studio and a crown prince to see if this was the property that they wanted that year. This villa, in fact, turned out to be a bit of a pink elephant and literally, as the owner was going to live there for half a year, he decorated it purely to his tastes, which included a lot of marble, mirrors, chandeliers and bejeweled pink elephants and tigers everywhere. So actually this villa was taken by the crown prince, but for his staff, but at a, I think he was charging 75,000 a week, so it was a good deal for the owner. I love working in these rental villas, but even the fabulous To Catch a Thief villa that I've spoken about on another episode has its limits for me. 
Me, as a butler, I'm a one-man band, I'm not an events company, and so when I go to a villa rental or second home, I am at the mercy of what the owners have stocked it with, with regard to napkin choice or dinner services. Dinner services. So I do prefer going into a villa that is a second home, as opposed to a rental just for business, as I tend to have more choices or the owners of that villa will give me a budget to buy things as I go. So villas that are purely bought as a revenue stream or business fall into two categories, I think. The first is an owner that does not really need the income from the rentals. They know exactly who their niche market or demographic are, and they are up and running pretty much straight away. I love these villas. They do exactly what they say on the tin, no matter what guise they're taking. And as long as there is clear communication between me, the renters and the owners, with regard to maintenance, hard furnishings, general wear and tear and repair, all is great. These villas, they're either marketed as a family home, uh, perfect for long vacations, normally with a minimum four-week rental, or a sophisticated party house being run like a private members club all year round. More and more villas, and even castles now, are following the private members club route at the moment, and although it's exciting, with activities and entertainment getting more extravagant each season, I don't see this trend lasting, to be honest. I mean, the settings are fabulous, and you can go great picking on the grounds, vineyards, and make your own wine, or learn how to make fancy French pastries with a chef, or get your hair and nails done in the in-house beauty spa, and take a steam and sauna, and then watch a full-on opera production in the evening while sitting on a beautiful candlelit terrace. But it is now bordering on being an actual hotel, with all the staff in a branded uniform and logos of the villa everywhere. What frustrates me about this is that the bigger and more extravagant it all gets, the bigger the need is for paperwork and back-of-house work, and for me that's when staff's focuses get split, and the relationships you normally build with guests and what you can do for them gets less and less. I love both ways, of course, but my preference will always be to work the family home first, and, and this is why. First and foremost, it's viewed as a home, a, a fabulous home, but it makes clients relax immediately and they feel they can really take possession of the property during their stay, and that is priceless. I still offer pretty much all of the same services as I would do at the members club style, um, and I'll have masseurs and beauticians and chefs etc on speed dial, and the house will be stocked with massage tables and rooms or areas to accommodate it, but in a home it does feel more personal. I am also, in a home environment, able to have on different hats at the same time. For example, being the bartender, to a sous chef, to the butler, to a server, to the driver. And I don't feel compromised or rushed at all. These homes, they will also take the same amount of people as the club version. But having a space function as a home, everybody is so much more relaxed that multitasking for me is a cinch and I love it. Both versions are stocked brilliantly with great furniture, glassware, crockery, napkins, etc. 
But the club version, everything will be matched, and that to me leaves a corporate feeling, whereas the home version can be mismatched, stylish, definitely expensive, but remaining homely. And nine out of ten of my guests will prefer this in my experience. So villa owners that have bought the property to rent to receive an income are a little trickier. They tend to be unsure of the demographic or if they want it to be multifunctional, like a regular rental or a party house or a film set or an influencer weekend even. And this rarely works unless you get a regular short-term booker that books a lot throughout the year. But this really comes at a cost, as wear and tear on a house is brutal, and quite frankly, the cost for a weekend over the cost for a month is vastly different, and in my experience, people tend to be less respectful to a property when they've paid less. I also find that owners that rely on the income, um, I'm how do I word this? I, I find that um, there's no real investment in the property and they don't retain the staff or have normally hard-working staff turn on them, either through pure exhaustion of hours worked or, or worse, ex exhaustion from having to deal with many complaints from the renters on the state of the property. There is one villa in France where the rental agent asked me to go six different times over a summer to take over for the day or a weekend as the staff were just not coping. And four of those times I went, the staff had changed completely. It rarely works. I think also not taking care of your property properly and not investing in it is a false economy. You know, this isn't Airbnb. This is exclusive luxury villas. And if you are going to be charging upwards of £25,000 a week, then it has to be flawless in every aspect. Making cheap shortcuts on even towels or pool furniture can leave a bad taste with guests. In fact, any new owners that buy a new property solely for renting and then engage my services, I always ask them to go and spend a weekend there and really think about how the house is used. You can have the best looking kitchen in the world, but if it's badly stocked or impractical, that will be what the clients remember, not the imported Italian marble tops. Now, luxury rentals that are also homes. I love working in these homes as they function the best, purely based on the owners using them themselves for a large part of the year. These homes tend to get rented once or twice a year, mainly with a four week minimum rental period per booking, and they normally fall into the upwards of £40,000 a week to rent. Sometimes, however, and it is only sometimes, but there are boundary issues where simple things like the landline ringing all the time, which you can't disconnect as it's connected to an electronic gate so people can get in, or parcels being delivered all the time for the owners, or even wardrobes being locked to protect the owner's clothes, and in worst case scenarios, the owner turning up unannounced can really be problematic. It also can be sometimes tough on the owner if the client wants to move things around whilst they're there. Nothing drastic, but for example, I have a great client. Um, they 
it was a lovely booking that they took and it was only two of them and they'd rented quite a large property. Now, there were two classic leather club chairs, I guess, in the great room and they were placed in front of the fireplace. But my clients found that they were spending most of their time in the kitchen, which also had a fireplace. So they asked me to move the club chairs from the great room to the kitchen. (laughs) Now, I know what you're thinking. No big deal, right? But it was to the owner and she just could not let it go, which resulted in my clients leaving and renting a different villa for the remainder of their stay. If you are going to open your first, second, third home that you yourself consider a home, you really have to find that balancing act of switching off when it's not yours. The huge upside to these houses is how they are stocked and furnished, and it is at these houses I normally have a budget to update things like linen napkins, candles, table decorations, etc. so that I can be really creative for my clients. I will say this a few times over these podcasts that, you know, in a post-pandemic world, privacy really is the new luxury and the use of luxury rental homes has has increased exponentially and it's still rising with even now large five-star hotel chains even are branching out to offer their own range of villas and this is where a home that functions as a rental will always be a better choice as opposed to booking uh, a villa rental that's purely there as a business. For me, personally, with these homes, I can be honest to the clients if they haven't rented it before, as opposed to large organisations or private concierge clubs that have a portfolio with no real experience of the villa. An example of this, I'll give you one villa in particular I work at, It has the most impractical driveway. I mean, the villa is wonderful with unrivaled views of Italy and France, but to get these views, you need to be high up. And boy, this villa is high up. The road just to get to the driveway is very steep, and that in itself needs getting used to. But on approach to the electronic gates that open outwards, by the way, so you have to wait for it to be fully open before you can even drive through, Well, that driveway is 90 degrees, so unless you get a driver or an automatic car, riding the clutch to keep you still is at best terrifying and a massive inconvenience, making leaving the villa for days out a dreaded experience. This comes from my experience, and that's I think, is the difference between when you take a five-star hotel chain, for example, that has now purchased villas as a business venture, or somebody that has bought a villa and never visited it, as opposed to booking through either the owner direct or asking me for advice. Of course, everybody has different tastes or tolerance levels. I I do understand that, and I would never outright offer my negative opinion. But me, experience in a lot of these homes does enable me to offer advice on how to make a situation like the drive more workable. Luxury homes and villas for holidays are amazing, and they can take many different forms all over the world. The important thing to note when using one is to think how you would want to use it first. Will it be a base so you can explore the area? Are you going to the beach every day and eating out every day? 
Or will it be your home for the time you were there, enabling you to welcome loved ones and have everybody under one roof eating and drinking and being together? I just had a wonderful booking myself with a new client. Um, hello, Faith and Anthony, if you're listening. And it was at a gorgeous farmhouse in the Peak District in England where they had, over the week, 35 friends come and stay and celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary with them. Of course, the house was wonderful, but what was important was that that house, and more importantly, the kitchen and the dining room, could cope with lunch and a three-course meal in the evenings every day for that many people without feeling pressure. So my advice before booking a luxury villa rental is make a list of all the things you want to do when you get there. What's important to you and what staff do you need to make it happen? Try and find somewhere off the market by asking friends for recommendations so it's not so much a commercial venture. And if you can book direct with an owner and form a relationship with them, like many of my clients like to return to a villa and that that works well for them. So if you have a good relationship with the owner, you'll get first dibs the following year. And of course, alongside any villa staff that are supplied, always book a Dan the Butler too. Well, thank you for listening to my podcast. If you haven't heard any other episodes yet, they are up. And um, if you want to know more about me, my Instagram is dan underscore the underscore butler. And my website is danthebutler.co.uk. Thanks. <laughs>